0: Hello, and welcome to The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we discuss popular sayings that make their way through culture and churches, even though they can be theologically problematic. We're not trying to rally around why the culture is so wrong, but instead explore together the ways that holding on to wrong beliefs can distort the freedom and truth Christ calls us to live in. I'm your host, Shara Donahue, and today we have our very first guest joining us. I'd like to introduce you to Matt McCollin. Matt has been in ministry for over 20 years. He's been a pastor for over 12, and he is the director of The Most Excellent Way, an international addictions victory group. Matt and I have crossed paths many times in the last 10 years, and when I recently heard him teaching on how to help people break free from addiction, I thought you guys got to hear what God's been given him to say. So welcome, Matt.
1: Thank you. Glad to be with you.
0: Now, I did notice you use the word victory instead of recovery in the description of the most excellent way. So what is the thinking behind that?
1: Okay, so coming out of addiction myself at 22 years old, it, it truly what what happened was I came to know Christ personally, and then I started to experience this life change that really was victory rather than recovery. Recovery is a fine word. Lots of places use that word, and we're not disrespecting any place that uses that word. But what I found when I started reading scripture after coming to know Christ was that it says that I'm a new creation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that Romans 6 says I'm a new man, and that Jesus said this in John chapter 8, when Christ sets you free, you are free Indeed that kind of radically changed my approach to what I thought addiction was, which I had been told it's a disease and that you're pretty much going to have that with you the rest of your life. So you're just going to have to battle through it in recovery the rest of your life. What I found though, is Christ really did change my heart, which changed my behavior and it changed my thinking. So when Philippians one, six says, let this mind be in you, which was first in Christ Jesus, that to me, I started going, well, wait, if he says let, that means I can, I can have a different way of thinking. And so we use the term victory because that term is found all throughout scripture, particularly in 1 John 4 and 5, you see the term overcomer, victorious one. And so we emphasize that in the most excellent way.
0: It's a great perspective. Christ really does set us free from so many things. And what a joy it is to have victory. Mm -hmm. So when you're working with people in addiction, are there any false beliefs you find people wrestling through in their effort towards recovery that you can address biblically?
1: So if we want to emphasize one that I was told, and then also we've worked through with people, it would be this one, fake it till you make it. The idea that somehow, as I'm trying to work out my recovery, that if I can just get around people and fake that I'm doing well around them, eventually I'll be doing well. But the reality is that's not what scripture says, and it actually leaves people destitute because, again, if they're thinking they have a disease that they can never overcome and then they're faking it till they make it, the problem is the term faking it actually means you will never make it. Because you really haven't had the heart transformation and the mind transformation that Christ truly has intended for the individual so that they are this new creation, understanding who they are and then living out the victory that he has for them. You don't fake victory. You either have it or you don't.
0: All right. Well, as you know, this podcast is the Bible never said that. So where in the scriptures would you take us to say this is what the Bible does say?
1: Okay. So as we're saying, look, it's not victorious to be faking it. And when I came out of addiction at 22, getting saved, coming to know Christ at 22 in multiple addictions, I, I found myself reading through the Bible and I got stuck in the book of James for quite a while. And then I lived there through different trials that came up in life because I noticed something when it says in the book of James "Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds for, you know, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking in nothing. I looked at that and went, how do you count it all joy when you get into the midst of trials? Like, what does that even mean? I started working through that. Well, it goes on in verse five to say this. If any of you lacks wisdom, which I had none, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, meaning he'll never say what took you so long. So he gives it to you without reproach and it will be given to that person. It says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. That impacted me because to have the implication that somehow I could fake it until I make it would leave me double-minded. Because I'd be honestly saying, well, I know I'm not really doing that, but I got to have everybody believing I'm doing it. And so now by nature, that's double-minded. On one side, I know I'm screwing up. On the other side, I want everybody convinced that I'm doing okay. But the whole time, God knows I'm not doing okay. Still loves me and is saying, hey, son, why don't you ask for wisdom and then go to the source of wisdom, which is my word, and let me do something in you that's going to produce endurance. You're going to have that ability in the midst of navigating tough things to not be triggered to go back to drinking or all the other things that you're involved in. But now, because I'm with you, you can count it all joy because you're not faking it. You don't have joy when you're faking it. You get discouraged. When you get alone, you actually know what you really are. How about this? When you get alone and you know what you really are in Christ, there's joy when you're alone. The addict does not have that. And you will not find that when you're faking it. This
0: is some great stuff, Matt. Can you address for us? why you think people like this statement and why it is actually a harmful one.
1: Yes. So I think one of the reasons it's a popular statement is because it still gives you the opportunity in secret to still be doing some of the same things you were doing with the hope that one day you'll change. The definition of insanity I've heard was if you always do what you always did, you always get what you always got. And the person that thinks that if I just keep doing what I always did and someday maybe it'll just change. Can we have this bent in our humanness to move that direction? Kind of like, well, I still want to kind of hold on to this, even though I'm not going to remain, I'm not going to go back and remove all the remains of filthiness and wickedness. I'm actually going to try to keep some of that while I'm actively trying to overcome alcohol or in recovery with alcohol or or pornography or drugs or uh, gambling or whatever it is. I still want to dabble in that, so if I'm faking it till I make it, I can go to group, I can say the right things, everybody believes I'm doing well, and I'm getting around people that I believe are doing well, you kind of hold on to it thinking that I'm going to be okay then. Eventually I'll stop, Because, but here's the problem, and here's the dangerous part. If you really do believe that you're always going to be an addict, and that somehow this is a disease that you're never going to be over, you also have this, this sense of doom. Even if you make it years, there's this sense of eventually I'm going to blow it. And that sense is not joy, you know, counting it all joy when you encounter various trials. That sense is what trial is going to trigger me to where I finally blow it and go back. God offers us something completely different than that. But that leaves somebody double-minded and unstable in all their ways. And so I just see the danger in that is that the person is not removing, like James chapter one says, all the remains of filthiness and wickedness by by confessing it and saying, God, I'm deceiving myself, thinking I'm okay. Faking it means you're deceiving. And James chapter one addresses that too. You know, you can deceive yourselves. And James one says, no, look in the mirror of God's word and do business with what you see. Don't fake it. Ask God to help you overcome it. He will. You're a new creation. He brought you into the family through the precious blood of Christ being shed for you when he cried out, it is finished for you from the cross. He also said, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. When we grab a hold of then the power of the resurrection, you're not faking that. And so I just see it as super dangerous because we're, we're still trying to do it in our humanness. And when we leave it, not to the power of the Spirit of God through us, but to our humanness, we have this sense of doom in us. And eventually we do fall.
0: Inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. Now there are people out there who would say, hey, this works. Do you think it's actually possible for somebody to fake it until they make it?
1: I would say this about that. If, if your term making it means I can stop drinking for a period of time, then okay. The key is, what do you mean by make it? If somebody's faking it till they make it, but they really have this sense inside of them that I'm always going to be an addict and that I'm not a new creation, I'm not a prince or a princess of heaven being brought into the family of God, then the term make it means I can white knuckle not drinking and I can I can be in control of how I step towards recovery. I get that. I'm going to say, though, God has a completely different standard of making it. And that means this, that when Christ sets you free, you're free indeed. And now you're an heir with Christ. You are going to receive an inheritance when you breathe your last breath on this earth that is eternal. And that eternity starts now. So if making it is, I have a completely different heart and mind and God's molding and shaping me every day. And I truly, by the power of the spirit of God of living out fruit that looks like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. And then for the addict, the last one, self-control and faithfulness is a part of that self-control then you can't fake that the power of the spirit of God is not faked. And so if making it means I don't have a drink for however long it takes before I fall again. Okay. But if making it means I'm a completely new creation and as a child of God, I have a whole new life that goes off into eternity. Then no, you can't, you cannot fake it till you make it there.
0: All right. So it's got me thinking though, you talk a lot about the spirit led life and in Galatians, it talks a lot about the flesh versus the spirit what is the difference between killing the flesh and faking it? Because we don't feel like killing our flesh. We don't want to do it emotionally a lot of the time. But is there a difference between killing our flesh when we don't feel like it and faking it?
1: Yes, because ultimately, Galatians 5, as you're bringing up Galatians, and when we're talking, and I brought up the fruit that you find in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Mm-hmm. If you back up, though, in verse 16, it says, But walk by means of the Spirit. And you will not indulge the lusts of the flesh. So how do you kill the flesh? Well, you can't fake killing the flesh because the flesh desires against the spirit, it says in the very next verse. And so there's this ongoing war going on inside the believer. So it was talking about Christians now. So the key is going to be, what do you believe about Jesus Christ? Did he really die for all your sins? Did he say, forgive them, father? They know not what they do for you. Did he say it is finished for you and you believe that he died for those sins and rose again? If you've placed your faith in Christ, he's now placed his spirit in you. So that's key. But now that spirit is your helper to take you all the way down the timeline to help you not walk in the flesh, but by his power, he takes control. So killing the flesh, or as, as somebody might say that in the midst of this, I'm no longer yielding to my flesh, but I'm yielding to the spirit. I'm giving up. I've surrendered. You can't fake that. That's going to be an ongoing all day long, Lord that old life, I reckon it is dead because you said in scripture that is dead and it's no longer I who live in Galatians chapter two, 20 and 21. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so the reality of being able to replace the temptations that the flesh comes up with now with no God, I love you more than that. I have died with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but him that lives in me. That then in that replacement puts you in a position of the spirit led life, which is total victory, which is not able to be faked. So the ongoing opportunity every day to go to the throne of grace, Hebrews chapter four, 12 through 16 says, because we have a great high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses, who is tempted in every way we are yet without sin so that we might come with confidence to receive grace and mercy in our time of need. Well, that's not faked. That's, I can go to the throne of grace to kill my flesh or not walk by means of the flesh, but walk in the spirit so that he'll produce all this fruit that brings God glory. That's victory. And so ultimately, yes, I, I see this as how do you die to self? How do you kill the flesh? Well, you're walking by means of the spirit and using the word of God as a sword. Hebrews chapter 4, 12 through 16 also says that the word of God is living and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. It's able to pierce through bone and marrow and judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. We use the word of God to replace that finite thinking, that temptation, because we're in victory and God gives us the ability then To walk it in the fruit of the spirit, bringing him glory, because we're taking every thought captive, the obedience of Christ. So hopefully that answered your question. But I, the bottom line is, yeah, you kill the flesh by going right to scripture and replacing those thoughts with a sword that is able to kill it.
0: Jesus just has more for us than falsehood. I hear that over and over in the truth that you're speaking, that there is more That with Christ. There is true life. There is true love. There is true freedom. And that faking it doesn't lead us to that truth.
1: Right. So the more we get honest, like James chapter one says, I look into the word of God. I see it as a mirror. I see what really needs to change. And now you combine that with Hebrews 4, 12 through 16. I have a great high priest who sympathizes with my weaknesses. So I see it in God's word and I can go straight to him and said, I am so sorry. I I confess it as sin. I'm going to get real with you about it. I'm not faking anything. I want this new life. You do it through me. And you can pray that in Jesus' name. And he'll always answer that one. And amen, right? We say, may it be so. And so he, Jesus said in John chapter 14, ask anything of my name that the Father may be glorified and I'll do it for you. Again, I'll say, ask anything about, well, he's talking about the things that are going to bring the Father glory. Won't it bring the Father glory if we're not faking it and we're going to the throne of grace all day long with the different things that we struggle with and we're asking him to change us? Isn't that how you kill the flesh? And isn't that how you walk in victory?
0: Amen. I love it. On that note, as you are talking about prayer, would you pray for our listeners as we wrap up today?
1: Absolutely. So awesome. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can have this time together working through what your word says. Your word in Isaiah 55 says it will go forth and it will never come back void. So as we're doing this with whoever is listening to this, as we're in the scriptures and we're pointing people towards scripture, you make a promise you will accomplish in that person's life whatever it is that they need you'll do it and so they can come to you all those who are weary and heavy laden and you will give them rest because your curtain is easy and your yoke is light and so we're asking for that for all of these folks wherever they are that you would bless them as they run to your throne of grace recognizing they have a great high priest who sympathizes with their weaknesses if there's anyone though that has not placed their faith in Christ yet may today be the day that they don't harden their hearts but receive the word that's able to save their soul, that Jesus Christ really did die for their sins, all of them and rose again in power. And may it be that right now, if there's anybody doubting or trying to wrestle through whether they've placed their faith in this, this savior yet Lord may today be the day that they do, that they place their faith in that one who cried out, it is finished from the cross for them. And Lord, uh, as we wrap this up, we're so thankful for this time that we could have, um, with Shara and to be able to have this time getting into your word. We know it's not going to come back void. We're asking you, Lord, to have your way in every one of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm going to link to the Most Excellent Way Facebook page and to the National website and any other resources or verses that we refer to in this podcast will be able to be found in the notes as well at lifeaudio.com slash podcast or on itunes or wherever you get your pods and if you're over in the notes we'd love if you would rate and review this podcast so others can find us and until next time may you seek the abundant life jesus died to give and live in the truth that sets people free